This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guests are Mashama Bailey and Jono Morisano, partners at The Gray and The Gray Market in Savannah, Georgia. Mashama and Jono have created their restaurants to truly serve their community. But what happens when the role of a restaurant changes abruptly? Hear how Mashama and Jono plan to continue to take care of Savannah, the South, and each other. We're back Monday with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Mashama and Jono. Jono, I was reading something you wrote in Garden and Gun, which was a, a great essay. You're a great writer. I always like reading what you have to say. You're the only uh, restaurant blog I've, I've ever kept up with. So congratulations on that. that is, um, that's, the, that's the power of a good editor, because that piece was not good when I sent it to them. So. I love a good editor. I do. Um, one thing you said that was fascinating to me that I didn't know, uh, 85 cents to 95 cents of every dollar spent at an independent restaurant goes back into the community. Uh, tell me why it's important for you to sustain the gray to be part of the community in Savannah. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm a restaurant rat. Like before I got in the restaurant business, I just have always been infatuated with restaurants and um, how they work, how they operate. And I, but I never really appreciated the supply chain of restaurants. And, um, and I really owe this to Mishama Bailey. Um, and I hate to give her credit for anything, but the first time I ever went to a farm was with her and it was not a good farm. It was, a, I think it was a bad farm. Um, and I kind of saw for the first time how food gets to your plate and it was startling. Um, it was a pig farm and it really, um, shook me. And then, um, over the course of the next whatever couple of years, as we got into business, I went to more farms and I saw how good farms and branches operate and how good the people are that grow the food and raise the food that we eat and um, to be part of that made me very proud um, to be sort of the end, the end point of where that food goes to and then to our guest plate. And, you know, food has always been about family and community and life to me. And so to, to serve that and be in service to that is so important. And then when you realize that, you know, everybody's like, oh, the restaurant business sucks. It's so, the margins are so thin. The reason the margins are so thin is because we feed so much of the community, um, the ranchers, the farmers, the delivery guys, the bartenders, the, the porters, like all that money comes in and it just literally goes back and gets reinvested in the community. Um, and it's not something to be disdainful of or, you know, as a lot of people will say, oh, it's such a hard business. It's something to be very proud of. And we're proud to be, I'm proud to be part of that. Um, and I want to keep doing it. And hopefully we'll be able to. 
I'm glad you put some context around those margins. I think a lot of people hear the numbers about how thin they are, and, and there's not always the discussion of, of why. There's a long list of, of expenses, fixed and non-fixed costs for restaurants. And the nature of, of being hospitable is probably to overspend and to try to get more for your customers than, than you maybe should or even need to. But it, it's part of generosity in a way. Generosity is not a great business model, but it, it, it makes for one hell of a restaurant. But I, I will say at the at the same time, and I, I'm really curious as to how Mishama feels about it because we're not we haven't had this conversation, believe it or not, yet because we've just been surviving for the last six weeks. But this is a really the the opportunity I see right now, and I was on phone calls this morning with the Independent Restaurant Coalition, which um, is doing really good work. The opportunity that exists for restaurants right now is to reset things a little bit. And, and I think that, you know, we've gotten better at charging fair prices for what we do. And if you look at our Yelp reviews, it's like the things we always get dinged on is portions are too small and the prices are too high. And I'm like, I'll send you our profit and loss statement. Our prices are not too high. Like we're not gouging anybody. We're not, we're, you know, we're making, we're barely making a living. And so I think that the restaurant business has a real opportunity right now to say, you know what, we do have to charge what's fair. We do have to pay our employees um, a, a living wage, our team a living wage. We do have to provide health care. We do have all of these expenses and we should not be embarrassed to charge a fair price for it. I was talking to a, a chef uh, named Irene Lee in Boston and she's taken uh, to posting her books publicly so people can actually see how much things cost. I thought it was a really interesting move. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Mashama, what do you think? How do you how do you best balance you know the the generosity, which is the nature of what you do, with with actually running a business? I uh, try not to look at the books. <laughs> I I think the I think the balance is the relationships. I think that you know I want to work with people who have integrity. I want to work with people who are vested in their staff and in, in the community. And I think. When we move from that point, then we go into uh, what's a fair, what's a fair charge in order for all of us to be compensated. And I think moving here, one of the most important things that I did was reach out and and, and meet certain people, introduce to certain people in order to find that network of um, producers and and purveyors that uh, really are really want to be a part of what we're doing because they come to work every day with sensitivity and, and dedication to this field. So I think balancing generosity is offering an experience, is having staff who is happy, um, being able to make our margins in order for us to do it the next day. And I think all of that kind of helps to support the decision that we made to run the type of business that we're running. So it's, a, it's an integrity proposition. A restaurant offers integrity. Yeah. It provides integrity. It provides, you know, used to be stable, but in these days, you know, the stability aspect of it is, it's depend, it's fading. Um, our confidence in it is, is also probably fading. So I think that, you know, there's a rebuilding that needs to happen um, for sustainability for our industry. 
I do wonder about that. I mean, I think one of the things that keeps restaurants afloat is customers. And I don't mean that financially. I mean, like, it's really hard to stay confident about the work you're doing if your restaurant's empty because it has to be. If you, if there's not mouths to feed, if you don't see people's reactions, if you don't see that exchange. And then that comes along with having a lot of time to think and think and think and think and plan and plan and plan. And, plan. and, and restaurants are places of action. So how, how do you keep the confidence up right now? I think we're spending time together. I think we're um, we're doing, you know, this curbside. Uh, well, we sort of stopped doing it, but we're we're we have Zoom meetings once a week with the managing team, manager team, and we have an open forum to talk about what people want to talk about. We give them information about you know PPP and 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 the state of the gray and how we're moving forward, even if it's like, I don't really know what's going on, but this is where we're at today. And I think just touching base with people is, is helping. We're doing these farm boxes. Um, we're actually uh, soliciting donations from um, former, you know, from, from former, but from people <laughs> who right now they're former, from people who have eaten at the gray and, and, and support us and who are, Basically, so it's their hometown, or they've donated uh, very generously, have um, donated money, so we can actually still engage with our same purveyors, our same farmers that we were working with when the restaurant was open, even some ones that we um, hadn't had a chance to work with. Uh, we've been working with more and buying, you know, produce and protein and dairy. Um, to put together these boxes to have our staff come once a week and, and, other we, and other restaurants in the community and come once a week so we can just actually see each other's faces and touch face and say hello and and post pictures of, of the meals we've made with these boxes. Are, are you selling the boxes uh, you know, whole to people so people get a load of vegetables and then some food you cooked along with it? The great part about it is that we're not selling them, that we're giving them away and we're doing, we're able to do that because it's a donation based service. And yeah, we're giving them raw fruits and vegetables and proteins and they're going home and, and cooking. Yeah. Like this week, like literally two guests of ours who come into the gray regularly and the gray market just donated $2,500. They're like, what can we do to help? I'm like, Oh, you know, we do these farm boxes and they're like, okay, we'll donate $2,500. And they did. And so we do 100 boxes, $25 a box is our budget each week. We buy all of the produce and proteins, as Mishama said, from local farmers. And then we distribute the boxes to the Gray Team, the Gray Market Team, Alley Cat, Lone Wolf, Savoy Society, Pinkies, Foxy. I mean, you know, uh, all of the sort of restaurants that we're like-minded with in Savannah. So you're helping to feed out-of-work restaurant workers? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, we're helping to feed them, and but it's really, I think it's more just about, as Mishama put it, I, I hadn't really heard it that way, but it's really about getting together on Saturdays, and the camaraderie of the guests and the restaurant workers, and all of the people who really give a shit about food and community, and and finding an outlet to channel that energy that would normally be spent sitting in a restaurant. And then everybody like blows up social media with what they cooked, right? It's like, hey, look what I did with the short ribs, yeah. you know? It's also like that one constant, right? Like I have, um, 
I do like a social distancing doggy play date with my dog um, on Sunday mornings. And the one thing that we've been saying over the last six Sundays that we've been meeting is like, oh, this is that one constant thing every week that we can count on doing. Like our worlds are upside down. We don't know how to release our energy. And the one thing that that Saturday Farm Box does is that like everyone who works for us knows that every Saturday between 2 and 3.30, they can come down and pick up a Farm Box. And that's that one thing during the week they can look forward to. And then they're occupied for the next couple of days trying to figure out how to eat that stuff, right? So I think that offering some sense of um, consistency in this time is also a part of helping to keep us all together. Yeah, and the way, the only thing I would add to that, because that's exactly right, is that the way the guests have engaged with it, it's like they're literally, like, we, I, have no, I, make, I, I make one phone call a week and somebody gives us the money, you know? It's, that's great. I mean, it's, it, I'm glad that it's supported and I'm glad that you don't have to bang down the doors to get something that people need. You guys have worked so hard to make the gray a part of the community in Savannah from the beginning. And, and I remember when you were launching the restaurant, um, there were a lot of questions about what kind of restaurant does this need to be? How do we interact with everybody in a way that that's meaningful for Savannah? What does that mean right now? What is a restaurant right now? What are your responsibilities to the community? To not fail. <laughs> um, I think that our responsibility right now is to be here on the other side of whatever this is. Um, because you can't, like, I'm tired and I feel tired and I feel emotionally tired. Um, and I've never been busier than I have been since we shut down. And I think Mishama um, feels kind of similarly. And I think that like yesterday morning, I just felt defeated, right? And I felt defeated to the point where I was like, what the fuck are we doing here, you know? And I came in and I very rarely do this, but I was like, I just told everybody I felt defeated. And they, in each in their individual ways, lifted me up, right? Which I'm used to sort of being in the other position. And I sort of had this moment last night where I was thinking about the day that I had had. And I'm like, we can't let, our community down, right? We've, we've promised them that we're here for them. And I was, you know, I have like this saying, it's like, you know what you are if you're 99% reliable? Unreliable, right? Reliability is a 100% thing. And so we have to be here at the back end of this because we promised Savannah that we would be here for them. And we promised the South that we would be here for them and we would and Shama would make them food and we would serve it as to use your word generously and with generosity and so we have to that's that's who we are um your governor opened your state okay uh your restaurant's not open many like-minded restaurants are, are not open do you have any idea of of your 
time window right now? Are are you looking at three weeks from now? Are you looking at when it feels good? Are you looking at when your team who, who, you know, I, I, I know has been. I'll answer the question because we have two restaurants, right? We have the gray market and we have the gray. I'll answer the question about the gray market. And then I'm going to toss it over to Mishama about the gray, the gray market. We're going to figure out some sort of service by the end of next, by next weekend. Um, so around the 15th of May, and we don't know what that service looks like. And we were, as Mishama mentioned earlier, we were doing curbside pickup for a few weeks and we stopped that. We're in the gray market right now, just deep cleaning the ever living hell out of it. And so next weekend, the gray market will be serving food in some capacity. We don't know exactly what that means yet. Um, and then the gray is a much more nuanced thing which you know it's interesting because a couple weeks ago we sat down and we talked about dates right and we talked about dates of uh what will feel good um before the governor actually reopened the state before like he that same day we had a meeting a manager meeting a zoom meeting that morning and that same day he came on and did a press conference and he reopened the state like in the in the next week a week from that phone call the 27th and you know we had these dates about okay you know the may 15th or maybe the middle of may is when we're thinking about opening up the gray market and we sort of had a date around when it would feel good to open up the gray but i you know the closer we get to approaching that date which is probably a month you know a month and a half from now i i'm i'm almost like when it feels good you know and it doesn't feel that good to me right now. And I think that you, you, navigating this new world and who are we to this Savannah community? Yeah, we're going to reopen. And yes, we promised them that we would be here. But, you know, who are we when we reopen? And how are we going to be here for them when we reopen? And I think those things are a moving target. And we need to, you know, and, and figuring those things out in this, fucked up world <laughs> that we're in and having this flexibility of doing it one restaurant and then the other restaurant is something that we're never going to get back. And so, um, you know, I think for the gray, it's when it feels good, when it's right, because it's such a special place. We poured so much energy into it. People, um, we, and from that energy, we're reaping the rewards of the people who have come there, met us through there, eaten there, and who are helping us to give back to our staff. Like, that's a pretty special place. And so to not, to not do the right thing by that place and make sure that we're 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 upholding the 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 type of service and image and, and philosophies that we want to uphold in that place until the time is right is I think that we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to all that we poured into that space. So I just feel like I have all these conversations and at the end of everything my my ending statement is I don't know. And um, because it's, you know, it's all theory and all in my head. And, and I feel like I've been in my head for the last two months. Uh, we're just going to do the best we can. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with everything Mishama just said. I think that, you know, that's all the emotional parts of pouring yourself into something like we do at the Gray. And, and then the logistics of it are... Like the gray's a beast, right? And it's 
And I was talking to another restaurant owner in town, Anthony um, DeBressany from Collins Quarter. And he's like, you know, all these people are like, just open, you know, or, and then, you know, it's like, obviously this has all become very politicized, right? Very, yeah. Yeah. And you so, wrote like, about, you wrote about that. You said it yeah. in a very nice way. Yeah. It's like, you know, people are like, just open. It's like, open and do what? You know, open and and serve nobody or and then there's other people who are like stay closed forever because you know they're fearful of the virus and i really fall logistically somewhere in the middle it's like you know we we do need our economy to move we do need to make sure that we do it safely and once we sort of put the gray in motion it's like it's a lot of effort and so i would rather be cautious about reopening because once you start going down that road, you almost can't stop it. Like you staff up, you, you buy food, you, you know, you stock your BTG wine, um, you do all this stuff, you spend all this money. And then if nobody comes, it's like, then what do we close? Or if the pandemic, you know, refires, what do we do? And so like, I think that the 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 the, fin the right financial decision from our point of view is to be cautious about reopening the right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't see many places um, reopening in exactly the same form that they were right right away. I mean, maybe it's a different offering. Maybe you guys use your your yard, you know, that you have and do something out there. It, it's you know, I, I see a lot of testing and experimentation. I, I don't see myself walking back into too many places and feeling like time had stopped and I just walked right back into the same story. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. has to be a different story, a different chapter in that story. Yeah, and so part of a, I really vacillate on this. Part of that, the creativity that that requires is really interesting to me. Mm, me too. Right? But I also really like the gray. Like, there's a few restaurants in my life where I crave the food, right? And I always say this, like, I always crave the Shama's food, right? And I want to eat it. And I don't say that because she's my business partner and I'm I'm a really tough critic on what we do for a living at the gray, but I want to eat her food and I want to eat it the way I've been eating it for the last five years, just like as a guest. So part of me does want it the way it was, you know? Um, but I understand that I understand that we have to, we have to be open-minded about who we are when we come back. Um, but I also think that we need to fix our, Again, I think the Gray's business model was actually finally in a place in 2019 where it, it makes sense. But the restaurant business needs to use this opportunity, use this as an opportunity to reset the business model and to say to guests, like, we need to charge you for the product and the service that we provide at a fair rate. Like, I was with another chef a couple of weeks ago from um, down here, Kyle, who owns Victoria Pizza. And he's like, how can it be that we're such a mature industry? And in six weeks, like you have the greatest chefs and restaurateurs in the world saying we're out of business. It's like, how can that be? How are we not able to withstand six weeks of no service? Now, I have a lot of arguments as to why that is the way it is. But his fundamental question is really interesting, right? 
No, it is interesting. I mean, but restaurants aren't necessarily a business that give themselves a lot of runway. It's it's certain amount of money comes in, a certain amount of money goes out that perpetuates. It's all based on on the customer, and there's just not a lot of savings for various reasons. It's just not built that way, and maybe it will have to be built that way for the future. Yeah, I think that I think that you know. You, yeah, I mean, I think you have to keep some money in the bank. It's like, I don't think that, you know, so we're in Savannah, right? The reason that Carol, my wife, and I bought a home in Savannah when we were looking to the south from New York City was, you know, Charleston and Savannah are kind of sister cities, right? They're really close to each other. But everybody's like, oh, Savannah's kind of tucked up in the coast and you never have hurricanes in Savannah, right? We opened the gray and we have dealt with hurricanes every single year since we've opened just about right is that right no not uh three years three three in the five years we've been in business we've had we've had some form of interruption to business because of hurricanes right this pandemic is another interruption we've had an ice storm that was an interruption right right we have to as an industry Prepare for the prepare for the fact that we're going to have more and more interruptions going forward. I mean, climate change again. Whatever political view you have on it, it exists, right? Ice storms didn't happen in Savannah. Hurricanes didn't happen in Savannah. They're happening. Pandemics didn't happen. There hasn't been one since 1918 or whatever. Um, it's like we the industry has to be prepared for this, and that means we have to change our business model. We have to have money in the bank. Um, you know, we have to get with the insurance industry and figure out what business interruption is because we're all fucked on business interruption insurance right now. It doesn't exist, basically. Um, obviously, Congress and the governor, with all due respect to them, don't understand the restaurant business, right? Otherwise, PPP would be beneficial to us, and it's not. The governor would not have told us to open and then imposed restrictions that make it economically not viable for many of us to open. And so, you know, we need to, we need to repair our business model. We need to have a voice. We need to make people understand because at the end of the day, the 500,000 independent restaurants employ 7% of the American workforce. It's insane. It makes us the largest company in America by a factor of seven. And I'm repeating some of the shit I wrote in the article, but it's true. I think the fact that that size is now just being formalized as one big group is something that will be powerful in in the future. I mean, if you look at, you know, the airlines, the cruise companies, chain restaurants, the people who are getting the money from the government, they've had lobbying presence for decades. You guys have had lobbying presence for like six days. So it's it's like it's a a squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of world. And um, I'm glad you guys have somebody shouting up for you right now. Um, one other thing that I'm worried about in this time amongst many other things is, is kind of putting a pause on culture. Restaurants help perpetuate culture. They help spread culture. They help educate. You guys are both involved with the Edna Lewis Foundation, which I think does tremendously important work in both carrying on the, the legacy of, of Edna Lewis and also telling the stories of the kind of food she cared about. How do you keep something like that going through something like this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. I think you just, I, I don't, <laughs> that's a 
difficult question. He's like, John, you talk a lot. No, um, no, seriously, that's just a very, very difficult question. And I think that getting down to the core of why you're in this business is really how you sort of sustain and keep that culture alive, staying in touch with people, getting involved on social media, like all those things, um, really kind of getting, like figuring out why you opened what are you trying to say what's the food you're cooking i think that that's as much as we can do i think in a lot of that our hands are tied right now you know and it and that's the most frustrating part because we're so used to being active we're so used to being socially engaged with one another it's awkward you don't know if you should you know do the elbow bump or just zoom someone and it's like don't come in for a hug you'll get smacked you know so it's just sort of like you you really have to think outside the box on how to keep everyone engaged and move it forward. And I think that's why there's this sort of constant, consistent level of reinvention. And I'm gonna, you know, there's 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 Eduardo Jordan has been doing these tags and these posts to different chefs, right? And he's an athletic guy. He went to, I don't know, he played sports in high school. And he had the nerve to tag me to do 40 push-ups a day. And I was like, yeah, okay. But what that did was have me sort of turn to my staff and say, you know what, guys, maybe we should do like, you know, a 20-20 thing. And we should do 20 sit-ups and 20 push-ups or something like that. Totally ripped off this idea. But what it does is it keeps us, it tags, it keeps us engaged with one another every day. And it keeps us focused on what we're eating and, 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 and how we're treating our bodies and if we're getting outside. And, you know, I think that there are a few places in the world that are really, have it really lucky to be um, quarantined in place. And right now, Savannah is one of them and we can go outside, we can socially distance properly from one another, and we can talk about the future, even if it's scary and it's uncertain, and we can make sure we're holding each other accountable to keep each other healthy and to stay healthy. And so, I mean, that's sort of like a lame example of culture, but I think, um, <laughs> but I do think from, I think that that's what we're doing. I'm like, hey, did you do 20 sit-ups today? Did you do 20 push-ups today? And we're just kind of keeping each other engaged. And that's a part of just staying a team. Yeah, so I, I think what it sounds like is, you know, first we have to make sure we're, we're, we're alive and healthy. And, and then we can start keeping the culture we've been building intact. Yeah, I think... Um, that's like survival, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think that... Um, I think that the farm boxes are the example of our culture, right? And how we how we influence, or not influence, sorry, that's a bad, that's the wrong word. How we engage with our community, right? It's like our community is our farmers and our ranchers and our guests and our team, right? And our city and, and feeding people, figuring out how to continue to feed people um, is exactly that you know tonight is um you want to talk about tonight yeah so um the 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 the, the young jogger that was killed in glen county down in brunswick um ahmed arbery and that's right down the road from you 
robbery. He was uh, killed on February 23rd, and there was a protest down. There was supposed to be a protest down at the courthouse um, today for just to ask the district attorney's uh, resignation because the two um, assailants hadn't been um, arrested. And they uh, in, in, got, in 73 days. Exactly. Yeah. And they got arrested last night. And so today, um, there is a movement through social media and um, the country that, you know, everyone is doing a 2.23, uh, uh, 2 mile, 2.23 mile run or walk in, um, in sort of a dedication to him and support of the family. And so we reached out to the team and asked them to meet us tonight at six o'clock and we're all going to sort of do our 2.3 miles around Forsyth Park and uh, just post in, in solidarity and, and, and those types of things are important. Because the craziest part is that this happened, you know, 73 days ago, as you just stated, and it was, and we're right up the road and didn't hear anything about it until, you know, last week over the weekend. Yeah, like if you... Um for the, the listeners, like in Nishama's Chef's Table episode, um, the opening scene with our oyster guys, Ernest. Like, yeah, it's not too far from Brooklyn. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Their, that's their community, yeah. you know? And, um, like, it's just, if that video didn't surface, like, right. this would just be... It would just go away. It would just go away. Mm -hmm. It was. It went away. Mm -hmm. It was gone. Yeah. Like, nobody had heard of this. Yeah. And... Um, so it's like, you know, that the, the country never, the country constantly gives you opportunities to engage with culture, you know, and, and your community. And, you know, this is just like, you know, when you hear the circumstances of this, this thing and 73 days, I mean, 70 days had gone by before anybody even knew this happened. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's yeah, it's insane. So, and the, the, this is, that's our community. How do you engage with your community? It's like, oh shit, you know, listen, let the justice system do its job, right? That's all anyone really fucking wants from this, right? Don't sweep it under the rug, which was what was going on. Somebody gets shot and killed, you know, there's supposed to be an investigation. Yeah. There's supposed to be an arrest. something. Yeah. You know, and like just, oh, whatever. Yeah, sorry. It's it's outrageous, is what it is. It's outra It's outra It's it's outrageous, and it's 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 disgusting. Unfor unfortunately, um, I mean, I, I I wish I wish I could say I was so surprised, um, but you know, you gotta keep you gotta keep pounding on issues like this, and I'm glad that you guys are always a reminder that you know restaurants can do the right thing just by being good people and and putting the spotlight on the right stories yeah and also like you know Misham and i are both from new york city right so we're yankees and we're damn yankees by georgia standards right because a, a yankee is someone who visits a damn yankee is someone who visits and then stays right so i have always really tread lightly on being a northerner in the south right i i've just sort of like I, I respect the fact that I come from somewhere else, right? But then when something like this happens, and I'm not saying this is a Southern issue because this goes on everywhere, right? Injustices go on everywhere. But it's just like, 
oh shit, did that happen like literally, you know, 40 minutes from here? Like where everybody was like, oh, don't, you know, yeah, nothing, nothing to see here, you know, keep, keep, keep moving along. It's like, it's just, it's, 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 it's shocking. It's sickening. It's sickening. It's sickening and it's disgusting and it's outrageous and it's, 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 happens all the time it happens all the time and it's really hard to be it's just really hard to be a black person in this country and 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 try to do the right thing you know it's horrible well i think you guys set a good example um and 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 you continue to so i i I appreciate that our show is called takeaway only um i'm wondering what your big takeaway has been from you know, trying to keep keep it together and trying to keep the gray and the gray market afloat and trying to serve Savannah through this moment. My big takeaway from this whole period of time is that you can't do anything alone. You know, it's like I need my dogs and my wife and Mishama in my life to get through this. The Independent Restaurant Coalition has proven that independent restaurants need each other um that it's yeah like no matter how strong you think you are and how resilient you are um you need you need help and that's not always something that i think about in my own life i sort of like am a very you know, sort of put some blinders on and run through my life. And, um, and Shama has, again, um, taught me that sometimes you need help, you know? And so I really, that's my big takeaway over the, and it's just occurred to me over the last couple of days. So. Yeah, I think that's the, that, I totally agree with that. Um, that's the message and the string throughout, you know, especially being in this industry the strength throughout this pandemic is that we have to stand together we have to work together um and it's also you know it's also about speaking up and it's also about asking for the things that you need in order to um to to live this life happily and not be resentful for you know the things that you can't have and I think um, just having a voice, speaking up, using that voice, um, working together, staying, staying together, developing, strengthening your relationships. I think that's the takeaway. We've run so hard in this business. We move so fast. We often move alone, even when we're together. We often feel alone. And understanding that um, that you know we are. We are all in this together, probably the most important thing. And speaking up and getting what you need from others is probably way more important, too. That's huge. Mashama, Jono, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you both. That was Mashama Bailey and Jono Morisano. You can follow The Gray on Instagram at The Gray Savannah, and you can follow The Gray Market at The Gray MKT. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Freetime Media. 
Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at Beeples. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back Monday. This is Takeaway Only.